Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour One. Hello, America. Welcome across the Fruited Plain. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, very, very happy to have you with me. I want to begin with some audio from Steve Ratner. This was Obama's car czar guy. After the Bush administration bailed out GM, Ratner was put in charge with Obama, stayed on as an economic advisor for some time. Now a talking head, largely on MSNBC. Listen. So, Steve, do you have any explanation for the three charts that you just shown us, the sort of three smiley faces on the economy? Uh, and yet national polls indicate that people are upset about the economy, they're worried about the economy. And yet if you ask individual people, one by one, that you encounter at a grocery store or wherever, how are you doing? They say, hey, I'm, I'm doing okay. Why the disparity between the national number on people worried about the economy and a lot of people, individuals, who say, hey, I'm doing fine? Well, that's a great question, Mike, and it's one that uh, certainly uh, politicians and economists and all have been thinking about. I don't have a great answer for you. I think the best I can say is that there's a, a, a lag effect, and we've had a tough economy for a long time, including during COVID, that people still aren't feeling economically secure, feeling like like they're in good shape. And and, none, and even though people at the bottom are doing better, as I said, you're still talking about people earning $35,000 or less, not a lot of money in an economy that has just been through a really tough inflationary period. But that's the challenge for incumbent politicians to convince the voters that they're actually uh, on the case and trying to make things better. It is very hard to convince voters they're doing okay uh, if you recall Nancy Pelosi back during the um, Trump administration, the Trump administration tax cut plan essentially gave people a thousand bucks in addition to cutting taxes, and then a lot of corporations were giving employees back some money, and the Democrats were wholly dismissive of that idea until they themselves decided to embrace it in the uh, Biden administration, and suddenly it was a really big deal. No one had ever done anything like this before. Pay no attention to Donald Trump. And they wanted you to know that you were actually doing well, that inflation really wasn't um, hurting you. And, and this is a problem for failures within politics when they try to convince you that your lot in life is better than you believe it to be. Political scientists and psychologists over the years have actually found that a lot of people actually are doing really well, but they perceive themselves to be doing not so good as long as their neighbor isn't doing well. There's a lot of empathy within the public. And if your neighbor's not doing well, you presume things aren't going great, that you feel a little bit of guiltiness uh, for your situation when your neighbors aren't doing so well. Their life sucks, so your life sucks because you're worried about them. And a politician who tries to tell you, no, no, you're doing good, which is what the Democrats have been doing for the past several years, it tends not to turn out so well. They instead, the, the, the preferred solution, this is what Ratner is getting at, is to try to convince you, listen, things may not be great right now, but here's what we're doing to improve your life. These are the policies we're doing. And then maybe you can blame the Republicans and say, well, the GOP, they're, they're blocking this. Here's what we want to do, but they're blocking it. But they're not even doing that at this point. They're still trying to tell you life is actually good. Deal with it. Things aren't as bad as you think. Deal with it. Things aren't as expensive as you believe. Deal with it. That's not a way to sell the plan. And this comes on the, the heels of an announcement yesterday from the Federal Reserve, from its staff, 
that a recession is coming. And into that mix, we add on the additional war on the middle class. Here's a report from CBS News. You will recall they said this wasn't going to happen. Well, I build it up like that, and then I forget to rearrange the audio so you can actually hear it. Here we go. I was supposed to have a house call today. Monica Colburn helps run a Virginia hair salon, but like a growing number of Americans, she uses the flexible hours to earn some extra cash. How many different side hustles do you have? I think last year I had eight 1099s. She works weddings and promotes musicians, collecting most of her income through payment apps like Venmo. If I didn't have multiple ways that somebody could pay me, I feel like I would lose business. The apps are easy to use, but starting next year, filing taxes for millions of people could become trickier. A new IRS rule will require anyone earning more than $600 on payment apps in 2023 to receive a 1099-K form. The old threshold was earning $20,000 over 200 transactions. This is not a tax law change. Um, this is just a reporting requirement for those third parties like Venmo, PayPal, and the credit card companies. The IRS expects an initial surge of 4 million of these forms next year, which it says it can handle. But there are businesses concerned handling all the paperwork from this change. Could be like taking on a whole nother job in and of itself. Businesses like Dennis Turbeville, a Maryland furniture maker, takes nearly all of his payments through apps and worries he'll make a mistake when the government is asking for its cut. A $2,500 penalty for a business that's doing $2 million a year, not a big deal. For somebody like me, that's a big deal. The IRS says money exchanged between friends shouldn't be taxed and warns users to classify those transactions as personal, not goods and services. Scott McFarland, CBS News, Alexandria, Virginia. That was from CBS News, and it captures the problem here. The Democrats of Russia say, well, you got to pay taxes. You tax cheat. You don't want to report the money. No, this is nothing to do with your failure to pay taxes. This has everything to do with the cost and the burden of reporting the taxes. You use Venmo to take payments, but also accept money from friends. You've got to pull all of that out and then hope you don't get audited by the IRS to make sure you did it legitimately. It drives up the stress of it. It drives up the cost of it. How do you pull it all out? And then how do you account for your expenses in your business offset by this income? I assume most people are already being honest. Wink, wink, nod, nod. Now they're going to get this form from Venmo. Venmo doesn't know. Venmo does not know whether or not this money is from friends and family or because of businesses. We, we pay a housekeeper, and we pay the housekeeper uh, over Venmo. And I feel sorry for the housekeeper. She's got a, a bunch of clients. They pay over Venmo. She'll get this form, and now she's going to have to do all the extra accounting rigmarole with this form to be able to say, well, okay, Venmo says that I got X number of dollars, but actually, part of that money came from friends and family. It wasn't for my business. I've got to be able to figure that out. I've got to be able to document it. I've got to be able to show it. This is a It's a regulatory hassle and burden on people in the middle class and the lower middle class. Joe Biden said this was not going to happen to any of you, and suddenly this is happening to you because of his internal revenue service. 
They are at war with the middle class to make sure the middle class are the ones being honest and the middle class are the ones who are going to be most likely to be audited unfairly by the IRS. Just consider the basic scenario here. It's not about you not reporting your taxes. It's about you getting the form from Venmo showing you got $10,000 in the past year through Venmo and you've got to go through and nickel and dime it to make sure, yes, I got $10,000 out of it. But X amount of that was from friends and family for gifts and swaps and things like that and reimbursements and things. Now you got to subtract all that out. You got to be able to document it. You got to be able to show it. Good luck. Good luck, America. Thanks to the Biden administration. And you know what's so interesting to me is that the very first reaction to Democrats out there is, oh, you're in favor of people not paying their taxes. No, it has nothing to do with that, you idiot. It has everything to do with the documentation of their taxes and the fear of auditing from those 87,000 new IRS agents who were hired expressly to go after the middle class. The fact that the Democrats' first reaction is that the outrage is over paying taxes and not the regulatory burden tells you everything you need to know here. This gets as well to their imposition on Americans for electric cars and the power grid. They don't care about your burdens. They don't walk in your shoes. It's an incredible, costly burden on people. And it's coming at the time the Federal Reserve is telling people we're headed into a recession. The economy is beginning to slow. Interest rates are probably still going to go up at the next Federal Reserve meeting. Why? Because core inflation is still up. Even though overall inflation is at 5% now, they want it to be at 2%. They need to still raise interest rates. There are underlying signs that parts of the economy most complicit in raising inflation are starting to spike again because of energy prices. Therefore, the Federal Reserve has to raise interest rates again. And the Federal Reserve is starting to tell us we're headed into a recession. Now, most analysts, most experts, but what can you do with experts these days? They believe it's going to be a light recession. They believe it's going to hurt the upper incomes more than lower incomes. It's going to impact the market and businesses more than it's going to impact uh, individuals in the middle class and even the upper middle class. It's going to affect the rich. Why? Because it's going to impact the cost of borrowing for businesses more than for the cost of individuals. The labor market is still tight. You in the middle class still have jobs. They can't fill all the jobs they need. So the odds of mass layoffs, according to the experts, is probably outside of the tech sector and a few other sectors actually not expected to be much. Why? Because there are so many businesses out there right now still short-staffed. I think about my auto mechanic where my car is. They're still trying to figure out the issue with my car. They are short-staffed mechanics. What should have taken 48 hours is probably going to bleed into next week to get my car fixed um, just because they're short of mechanics. And then you've still got the supply chain issues. But it doesn't matter because if there's a recession, you're going to still feel like there's a recession. If there's a recession, you may not lose your job, but you're going to perceive the sense of economic malaise around us. And this comes at a time Joe Biden is planning on running for re-election. This comes at a time Joe Biden will be running for re-election. And presidents tend to get the credit and the blame for the economy, whether it's fair or not. And compounding the issue will be the middle class feeling the burden of the IRS and the regulatory approach. Compounding this 
will be the middle class. Remembering Joe Biden said a recession wasn't coming. Inflation was transitory. It was no big deal. And you may not feel it, but you're actually doing fine. So stop complaining. Good luck on the Democrats being able to sell these messages. The Federal Reserve staff are saying a recession is coming. It comes as the presidential election heats up. And don't look now, but a new survey of economists on where the lowest unemployment is in the nation has just come out. And the governor of Florida, who might be running for president, four of the top five cities in America with the lowest unemployment happen to be in Florida. Five of the top five cities with high unemployment happen to be big blue Democratic states. So, yeah, if that guy gets the Republican nomination, he's got an economic success story to tell to contrast with Joe Biden. I keep having friends tell me they realized I was right. Every time you wash sheets from Bowling Branch, they get softer and softer. They're the most luxurious sheets, the highest quality, incredible craftsmanship, with just unmatched softness, 100% traceable organic cotton. It gets softer with every wash. I tell you guys that it's true. I can tell you it's a big difference, and I have bought different pairs of sheets to try to find some best. I keep coming back to my Bowling Branch sheets. They're incredible. They're buttery to the touch, super breathable. They're perfect for cooler weather and warmer weather. Why the drape? You actually feel like you've got something of substance on you so you can snuggle in, but you don't get overwhelmingly hot during the during the summertime, and it's just the perfect weight under the blanket as well during the wintertime. I love Bowling Branch sheets. They're so luxurious. They're loved by four U.S. presidents. Got over 10,000 raving reviews. Right now, get 15% off your first order when you use promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at BowlingBranch.com. That's Bowling Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com. The promo code is ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here nationwide. The phone number 877-973-7425. I feel the need to explain this one a little more. And before I do that, uh, Samantha might be helpful with me on this. Uh, Samantha, welcome to the Eric Erickson Show. Hey, Eric. Hi there. Um, Well, um, this is what I also want to disclose, where you have... Um, third-party platforms where you can sell things like eBay, Poshmark, etc. Mm-hmm. So um, let's say you purchased something at a store for $1,000 in the past, and you go on eBay and you decide to sell it for $800, which is a loss. Mm-hmm. Um, eBay, they will also send that to the IRS, and you're now required to report that as income, even though it's at a loss. Yeah that becomes a problem and you've got to have yes. the original receipts to be able to justify everything. Exactly. Exactly. And so if you have purchased something five years ago, you no longer have the receipts. So how can you show that, you know, you purchased it at a thousand and now it's 800. You don't have that anymore, but right. you are required to pay taxes on it, even though you sold it at a loss. Right. Yeah. It is, this is a, it's a huge burden. Thank you very much for that because this, this goes to the issue. People on the left just seem fundamentally not to understand small businesses and how they operate and and entrepreneurs. The IRS requiring people who get $600 or more on cash apps like Venmo to disclose information has nothing to do about supporting tax cheats. It has everything to do with driving up the cost on the entrepreneurial class and the middle class and how they do business. 
So, for example, as the caller pointed out, if she bought something uh, five years ago for $1,000 and today sells it on eBay for $800, she's actually lost $200. But eBay now is going to have to file this 1099 forms showing she made this $800. If she doesn't have her receipts from five years ago to show she actually sold it at a loss, She's going to have to report that $800 in income and good luck fighting the 87,000 new IRS agents who are out to audit. Likewise, you do a lot of transactions on Venmo. They send you a 1099 that shows you made $5,000. Well, you better have all your documentation to show that actually a good portion of that was friends and family reimbursements, trading money back and forth with each other. It wasn't actually income. Good luck with that. The rich do not have to worry about these sorts of things. The rich have good accountants. They've got bookkeepers and things like that. You entrepreneurs, you poor and middle-class guys, y'all don't have that. And the result is that the burden now comes on you to cover your taxes in a way it doesn't for the rich. It is part of the cost of doing business when you're wealthy or run a business. It is not part of your cost to do that. No, no one's saying this is about defending tax cheats. What it is, is you do a pretty good job of documenting out how much money you made for your business. But now that you got the 1099 going to the IRS, the IRS has an actual certified document from the company showing how much money you made through it. You better have every nickel, dime, and penny documented. You better have the entire paper trail for when the auditors come. There will be no grace for you in this. You will get fined. Something again, if you make a million dollars, the $2,500 fine is nothing. If you make $25,000, the $2,500 fine is 10% of your income. This is a burden on the middle class and the poor. It's a burden on entrepreneurs. It is a burden on the gig economy. It is this White House nickel and diming the middle class in a way they said they would not do it. And it is very notable that the left's first reaction is, screw you people, you just don't want to pay taxes. They have no idea what you as a small businessman go through. They have no idea what you as an entrepreneur go through. They do not care. They presume bad motives and bad intent on your part. And also they lied. They said this would not happen. This was going to be in a uh, piece of legislation, they pulled it and let the IRS do it through a back door. They need to be held accountable on this. The only way to do it is for Republicans to put up some sane candidates who these people can vote for and get Congress to undo this mess. It's just, it's a big red flag to me when the Democrats immediately seize on, well, you just want people to cheat on their taxes. Supposed to, you have no idea what goes into the middle class having to file taxes when they're entrepreneurial in ways that the rich just don't have to do. The burdens and the stress and the worry about audits, it, it disincentivizes a lot of people from being entrepreneurs. Yes, you are, and you can be a part of the show, 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, happy to have you. As always, text ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777. You can get the social media links, the podcast, the live stream, the notes, everything. Now let's go to Dan on the phone. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show, Dan. Uh, good afternoon, sir. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Good, good. So I'm a practicing tax accountant. I've dealt with these Form 1099Ks for several years. Um, so essentially what I believe the Biden administration is behind on this is if you remember that stimulus bill that came out around March of 21, 
they wanted banks to start reporting what the account balances were on everyone. And now they're backdooring this through these PayPal processors to get that information. Mm-hmm. That's essentially what it's going to happen. You're absolutely correct to pay a professional to prepare those returns, a business return. If you're mom and pop or just your own children selling something online now, you're going to have to reconcile all that information on a tax return. You're looking at the average person thousands of dollars to pay somebody a year to do that. Yeah, it just the the burden on a middle class entrepreneur who's who's just got a side gig. It, it really kind of drives up their costs to the point of not being willing or able to do it. When you got all the new IRS agents out there committed to auditing the middle class because of the gig economy, it I, I don't see how the math is going to work for a great many people. It's not. I mean, you're you're absolutely right. It's going to be a big burden on there. And like that other caller said, is a lot a lot of that stuff is is just secondhand stuff that people are just moving out of the garage or out of a spare bedroom and they're selling. And of course, nobody has a cost basis for that. Nobody keeps receipts for stuff like that. And now you're just gonna you're gonna see that come into play. And if you can't, I mean, you of course there's there's a rule called the Cohen rule where you can bring in expenses if it's reasonable, but to pay somebody to argue and fight the IRS, people are just going to suck it up and just pay them the penalty and be done with it. But oh, it's, oh. I think it's, it's more than the tax. I think it's more of a, of a just, just big government being more intrusive into our finances is what's behind yeah, it. Yeah, very much so. So, Dan, let, let me ask you this question because I've, I've, I've never even bothered to ask my accountant this a question. So let, let's, let's go back to the, uh, Samantha's example with eBay. You bought something five years ago for $1,000. You sell it now for eight hundred. You got a two hundred dollar loss, but you don't have the documentation. Is there any way to show the IRS that you actually sold it for a loss, or do you just have you to? Could, suck you could. You well, I mean, you would put it on there if if there's a reporting requirement for it. It all depends on what's going to be issued in that in that in that tax year. So if it, if if you sell something personally right now, there is no reporting requirement because you didn't make any money, and it's something that you have that you're not operating as a business. So there is, but all you're going to have is just gross sales that come out on that specific form through that third-party app, Venmo, PayPal, eBay, whomever you're using. So, so now you're going to have to reconcile that on a return because it, it looks like it's all going to be bolted together. And whenever I teach these seminars to, to to people and real estate professionals and so forth, I always, I, I tell every I warn every one of them to stop using these third-party apps. I use one strictly for my firm, but of course that's all gross receipts that clients are paying me, and so I, I account for all of that. But if you're just you know transferring money to your kid that's in college. You, you, there's a there's a chance that everybody's just going to have all these forms that are going to be shot out, and we're going to have a, a tax nightmare for people. And oh, that's, they're ramping up with the, the, the staffing of the IRS, so it, people better get ready for it. Um, yeah, but should. to answer your question specifically, there there is this thing called the Cohen Rule. It's a, it's a court case from years ago, eighty years ago or so, that you could come up with reasonable cost basis and expenses on what you would have paid for that, and then essentially you have to argue, you know at least have, have a preponderance of, of the proof so that you can substan- substantiate that that's what you paid. So. Good grief. Well, uh, a, a listener, Chris, is listening to us from Virginia right now, and he says pawn shops are about to make a big killing again. I, I know, and, and it's all about getting rid of cash in society. And you would be amazed now how many people are back to using cash. I, I see that in, in, in our yeah, local you know, area. It's I live funny in Florida, you should say but. that. 
Um, it, it, not to keep you on here, but it, it, it really actually is funny to me the number of friends of mine I know now who are back to using cash as kind of the, the anonymous way to pay as opposed to using these apps. I, I've noticed this in the last several months as there's been this concern about the rise of digital currencies and, and the collapse of Bitcoin and stuff. I, I, I'm one of the very few people now I know who not regularly carrying cash. And for a while, I was carrying cash and nobody else was. And now it's completely reversed. Yep, that's that's true. I mean, a lot of uh, I carry cash. A lot of people are back are back to cash. I, but I always advise all my clients, every friend. I, I would tell all your listeners. I would, I personally would tell everybody to, to not use those third party apps unless you specifically have a business and and you need to use it for credit card processing. Which, of course, whoever their accountant is or does their taxes would account that as gross sales. But for personal reasons and so forth, I would not do it. And what I would tell. The, um, someone, if you need to send money, like I said, to your kids or a family member, do an old school bank wire transfer from one bank to the other, or yeah, send out a manual idea. check. Yeah, or you know, just just send cash and hope that that's nobody steals to the post office. <laughs> no, I wouldn't send anything to the post office. We all yeah. read about the post office online too. Yeah, no <laughs> kidding, Dan. Listen, I appreciate the phone call. Thank you very much. Absolutely, sir. Keep up the good work. Thank you. That it just yeah, he's right. You know, I. The number of people I know now who they're so concerned about the digital currency, which I don't think that the Federal Reserve is ever going to be able to implement. There's too much skepticism, even among Democrats in Congress for it. Uh, I, but they, I mean, they may want to try. Warren Davidson, my, my buddy in Congress, is is adamantly opposed. Uh, I, the amount of people I know who are suddenly back to cash for transactions is through the roof, and I am. it's so convenient for me to use a debit card or credit card. But I don't use those apps either as best I can. I don't like to use Cash App, Venmo, or any of those things. By the way, I don't know if you heard, so the guy who invented Cash App, we talked about this last week on the show. He was murdered in San Francisco. The, the guy who in, invented Cash App was in a safe neighborhood leaving a party at 2.30 in the morning, and someone stabbed him to death. Turns out another tech executive has been arrested today as the murderer, the two knew each other, apparently had an argument, and the one pulled out a knife and stabbed to death the other one. And uh, we don't know the name of the tech executive yet, but it doesn't appear now that it was some random homeless crackhead in San Francisco like everyone thought. Turns out it was another tech executive. All right, uh, back to the phones. Adam, you're going to be up next. Welcome. Oh, thank you, Eric. Uh, Long-time listener. Love what you're doing. Thank you. Keep it up. Thank you. Yeah, I just had a uh, a comment of um, with with the EPA passing the new regulations and stuff on cars, trying to force people to EVs could be a similar situation with them making the apps so hard to deal with that you would want to flip to a nationalized digital currency. Oh, uh, you know that that's that's a theory out there. Yeah. Um... making everything so burdensome. I just, you know, going back to my conversation with Dan, I, there's a reluctance among some of the staff at the Federal Reserve from what I was reading to implement a digital currency. Uh, There is a huge reluctance even among Democrats in Congress, which is surprising that that there's a Democratic reluctance, uh, but there is about a digital currency. Other countries are proceeding, but one of the interesting aspects of it is that China is proceeding now with the digital currency because they don't like the idea of Bitcoin, and that has caused a level of reluctance among policymakers in this country to want to embrace one. Um, I I don't know where this heads. I can't see myself wanting to use some sort of digital currency. 
Uh, Warren Davidson, a congressman from Ohio, friend of mine, is furious with the Fed for even considering it and is looking at holding congressional investigations into it. But then Senate Democrats have been very, like even Dick Durbin of Illinois has been like openly skeptical that it's a good idea to do. So hopefully we won't go down that path. But you and I both know they will pressure the snot out of all of us to use it if they come up with it. Oh, yeah, they're going to try. They will. They will. And control us even more. And, you know, back to Dan's point, this is about allowing further intrusion of the feds into our private lives. And, the, you know, the way you stop it is you vote for Republicans, whether you like it or not, because otherwise the burden. Nathan, you're going to be there. Welcome. How are you? Hey, great, Eric. How are you? Good. What's going on? Uh, so it, it's not just the payment processors that are reporting this, like Venmo. So I, I'm a Atlanta United season ticket holder. If you haven't been to the games, highly recommend you should go I to one. I need to go to one. My son wants to go to one. Oh, they're, they're, it's, the environment's just amazing. It's, it's electric. Um, but, but anyway, so, so I'm a season ticket holder, and you manage your, your season tickets through the Atlanta United app, which is run by Ticketmaster. And you can buy and sell your season tickets to other people through the app, through Ticketmaster. But before I could do it this year, it made me give all my tax information because they're going to send these in ticket holders who buy and resell tickets over $600, that K form at the end of the year. Again, that's all being reported to the IRS, too. Ticketmaster is reporting reselling your own tickets. Oh, good grief. That's so, yeah, that, so that, I found, it, I found that absurd. Yeah, yeah, crazy. But so it's not wow. just, just the Venmos of the world. It's, it's, they're getting in on other businesses, too. Yeah, all these digital transactions, and, and you know, there, there's probably to some of these, whether it applies or not, they're doing it because they're scared to death of the IRS coming after them. So the burden's going to be on you and your season tickets as opposed to Ticketmaster, which, good gracious. Yeah, man, thanks for letting me know that. I, I would have never even guessed that was one of them. Um, you know, I've got tickets to a Braves game that I'm not going to be able to make in a couple of weeks and was going to put them on StubHub. And, yeah, maybe I'll just give them to friends now. Clayton, you're going to be up next on the Eric Erickson Show. Welcome. Hey, Eric. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Uh, <laughs> listening to those uh, previous calls uh, created some questions while I was waiting. Um, That's all right. I'm Go a, for it. Your your call screener uh, did say y'all had already talked about this. Unfortunately, I did not hear it. I just was wondering why the mainstream media does not talk about you know the potential of the U.S. dollar falling away from being the world's reserve currency with China, Russia, Brazil, you know, multiple other countries considering moving away from it and why no one's talking about it Yeah, in the mainstream media. You know, honestly, uh, so there had been some stories roughly about essentially Brazil, India, China, now South Africa as well in there, Russia uh, no longer using the dollar for reserves, no longer requiring trade, Saudi Arabia as well which undermines our currency and, and tries to destabilize us. It's a backdoor way to destabilize our currency. You add into that the digital currencies. I honestly think that a lot of the media doesn't really understand it, that there's not an, an animus towards us or a, a support of what they're doing. It's they don't understand it. They don't recognize how big a deal it is. And so much of the editorial bias in the media is what they don't cover. And this is one of those biases of I honestly, genuinely believe they don't get it. They do not understand it. 
Uh, a lot of reporters in this area, they're not that bright. They're spoon-fed information. The Biden administration is certainly not going to spoon-feed them this information because it looks the Biden administration makes the Biden administration look bad. So they're not really covering it. They should. Now, for those of you who aren't aware of what Clayton and I are talking about, Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa, and Saudi Arabia have always traded between countries in dollars. They're now going to start using their own currencies or the Chinese currency. Now, what does this do? Well, it makes the Chinese currency more valuable than it has been. It also makes our currency less valuable as a trading partner. Uh, It makes us less likely to be a reserve currency. Now, what does that mean for you? Well, it means that interest rates go up. It means that the conversion rate for the dollar goes up, so you get less bang for your buck when you travel abroad. Uh, And it also means the conversion rate for trade in the dollar uh, it goes up, so it means our costs go up when we're exchanging uh, goods and services abroad. It's all designed behind the scenes to economically drive up our costs, which is an unfortunate thing, but uh, anyone could have seen it coming. The Biden administration did nothing to prevent it, including just further alienation of Saudi Arabia, which is really the precipitating event for all of this. And the Biden administration doesn't seem to care that they have alienated Saudi Arabia so much so The Saudis are now jacking up the cost of a barrel of oil, which is going to hurt us economically. And the Biden administration is privately seething, saying he's only doing this to cause Joe Biden to lose. Well, maybe so, but it was preventable, and you guys chose not to. Patriot Mobile is where you should take your cell phone service. If you want to use a great cell phone company and get guaranteed great service, the company you're using probably already uses the exact same cell powers as Patriot Mobile, and you can take your existing cell phone number to Patriot Mobile and do business with a Christian conservative company that shares your values. There are a number of cell phone providers out there that claim to share your values. The only one that actually does is Patriot Mobile. The others are subsidiaries of big guys. Patriot Mobile stands alone as its own company, and they take a portion of their profits, and they give those profits to the conservative causes you care about. The pro-life movement, the Second Amendment movement, veterans, first responders, conservative candidates running for office. It's what they do. It's how they were set up. They need your help, though, and all you have to do is take your business to them. Take your existing phone number, an unlocked cell phone, take that to them. And you might be able to save some money. They give great discounts if you're a veteran, a first responder, an NRA member, a teacher, got a lot of lines for a big household. PatriotMobile.com slash Eric or 972-PATRIOT. You can also call them. They have 100% U.S.-based customer service. 972-PATRIOT or PatriotMobile.com slash Eric. Tell them I sent you. You get free activation and you get to do business with a company that actually wants to do business with you and shares your values. Yes, you can. And also, if you text the word DATA to 33777, you, my friends, can get the daily email, and you should do that. Get the show notes, the interviews. We even sent out the Riley Gaines interview for people yesterday. If you're an email subscriber, you can get it. All you do is text DATA to 33777. All right, let's see here. Da, da, da. Mason, you're going to be up next. Welcome. Hey, Eric. Big fan. Thank you. Hey, um, so I'm wondering if we do go to a federal currency, does that mean my mortgage is null and void since there's a provision that I must use U.S. dollars to pay for it? No. So uh, the the situation is for a digital currency, you really wouldn't change. Uh, they would still be physical dollar bills, but also uh, your transactions through your bank and checks and stuff would still be good. Uh, a digital currency would essentially The government's exploring doing something like a cash app or a Venmo for itself. 
and having it arranged with some sort of Bitcoin algorithm. Uh, it sounds like a horrible idea that they're having trouble implementing. Uh, it really wouldn't affect a lot of people's day-to-day lives, except as more and more people use it, one of the things that they could do is push us towards it. And then once we're on it, then, you know, I mean, God bless us. If if the government wants to control our spending, you know, in, in China, the reason they've decided to move to a digital currency is for a social credit score. So that, for example, if you're not a good citizen, they can limit your ability to use your currency on your phone to be able to buy goods and services. So you're only allowed the essentials now. You can't get freebies because you criticize President Xi. Uh, Never say never when it comes to this country, but that's why people are skeptical of a digital currency. But your your checking account, your ability to transfer money by a check or uh, through wires, that wouldn't actually change. This would be about your daily spending money. Uh, going to, like I use Apple Pay pretty much everywhere now that I can. And there are some places I just refuse to go at this point because they don't take Apple Pay. I prefer uh, gas stations where I can use Apple Pay. Uh, just click my phone and don't have to pull out a credit card or even really touch the the machine other than to pull the handle for the gas. I much prefer using Apple Pay during COVID. Uh, Publix, I know not all of you have Publix grocery stores. They're the Publix is the greatest grocery store chain to ever exist. And Publix moved to Apple Pay. So I never even had to touch anything or pull my wallet out. I can just uh, run my Apple Watch or my phone uh, right next to the terminal, and it pays the bill for me. I've got a credit card number that's saved on my phone to be able to use. It's fantastic. Kroger refused, and I just stopped, flat out stopped shopping at Kroger. I, I didn't want to use them without it. Um, it's it's just uh, a something. Now, <laughs> emailer says, uh, but Mark of the Beast, Mark of the Beast, you, you know, the, the digital currency thing. Yeah, people misunderstand the Mark of the Beast. But for a long time, uh, a certain group of evangelicals have claimed that digital currency is the Mark of the Beast. Um, no, no, that's not the Mark of the Beast, even if people think it is. It's the rainbow flag. That's the Mark of the Beast. <laughs> I got a pastor friend who claims that. 